Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's interview podcast. You know, uh, with the onslaught of the Internet and the death of print media, I thought I would get uh, one of my fellow reviewers on who was one of the first people to have a theater-only website, and he's the man that gave me the idea of putting Chicago Critic up. So say hello to Joe Stead. Hi, Tom. Great, Joe. Tell us how I'm you... here in Chicago podcast. Yes, you are. And it's great to have you on. Uh, uh, a lot of folks may remember that when we started these podcasts, you know, it'll be six years in January. Has and, it been six years? Yeah, and we've not, knock on wood, missed a week. We've had a, we've had a, an interview with somebody every week. Well, you and I went back all the way to the internet radio at UIC. Yes, yes, we which did. Which we co-produced. Yes, we did. And, and, I still, it's still one of the great programs, and I do have all the, the clips of it, and eventually I'm going to get it out. That program that you did with, uh, with, uh, Renee Matthews on, uh, history of Yiddish theater is still, I mean, we, we got to make that into, into some kind of, uh, you know, program that people can get, because Renee was fabulous. In that. Yeah, she was. Yeah, that was, that was, all right, so tell us now how you got started in reviewing. Well, it's, it's funny that, uh, I, I, suddenly the, subject of an interview rather than the interviewer, so this should be kind of fun. Um, I go back to when I was 12 years old. I wrote my first review. 12 years old? 12 years old. Um, okay. I was. I had been going to theater with my mother uh, ever since I was a kid, and the reason that I got started was that um, the local critic down in Orlando, Florida, uh, for the local newspaper, had decided not to review a particular production. And I was hopelessly stage-struck ever since I walked into a theater. And I wanted to read as much as I could about live theater. I wanted to know everything that I could get my hands on. And that meant reviews. Um, so along came a production of, it was Musical Annie, and it was at a local dinner theater in Orlando, Florida, and um, the local critic had decided that she had had enough of the show, didn't want to see it again, and didn't want to review it. So I decided to, someone at the theater even suggested that I write my own review, which I did, and I just did it for fun. And I submitted copies to the theater. I had friends who were in the show, and they started circulating copies of my review, and pretty soon I got a following, and people actually respected my opinion. And that was amazing to me. At 12 years old, that anyone took me seriously. Um, well, that's there, I, that, I made a very... Go ahead. That speaks to your writing ability and, and uh, the perception you had of the show, because, uh, you know, if you wrote like a, like a normal 12-year-old, hi, I thought it was cute and fun, you know, who would have read it? Well, exactly. I, I have been reading reviews... Uh, probably for years, you know, ever since I started going to the theater, um, I would try to get my hands on anything that I could read about the theater. I would know as much as I could about the play and who was in the original production. I would go in kind of knowing a lot about the show already. And I was able to articulate that in, in print. So I started reviewing the occasional show and, um, a couple of years, as I started to do this, um, I would get invited to some of the local theaters, and that 
eventually led to my getting invited to theaters like the Kennedy Center of Washington. Wow. Um, How old were you? When, how old I were you? I eventually was invited to uh, to Broadway to cover. Um, the first show I did on Broadway was Arsenic and Old Lace with Gene Stapleton. And um, I continued to do it and have been doing it now. Um, I just turned 40. And I've, so I can say legitimately I've been doing this for the good part of my life. Wow, that that's amazing. And of course you you uh you your stage presence uh was felt on stage as a director and as an actor too then. And I think that's one thing that does make make me unique, um, if I can say so. I've actually done almost everything in live theater. And I know that there's the old adage that those who do do and those who can't criticize. <laughs> And I've always tried to, to go against that and to prove that wrong. I don't think you can honestly criticize something that you have never experienced firsthand for yourself. And there's probably no area of live theater that I have not touched on in some way of, in my own career. I've been on stage, although I don't consider myself an actor. I have been a performer. Um, I have directed. I have stage managed, designed, run tech. I worked in the box office and in the front of the house, um, and I um, I have a tremendous respect for the various roles that go into putting a live production on stage. When I see the, the caliber of talent that we have in the Chicago area, and I know how much effort that they put into it, how much training and experience that it takes to be on the level of, say, a Mark Robin or an Andy Luke or a Tammy Mater or Rachel Rockwell, one of the best in our, in our town, I can respect how they got to that point because I have been there. Yeah, and, and it certainly gives you a, a, a respect. It's also a passion for you, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, now, what's life without passion? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're not alive without it, that's for sure. So uh, when you arrived in Chicago, uh, Tell us how, what you were doing in reviewing then. Weren't you working for one of the college uh, papers? I I was. I I got my degree in commercial arts back in 1998 and moved back to Chicago. My family was originally from the area, and I immediately started working with a little monthly newspaper called College News, and um, that's where the byline Stead Style came from. Um, it was. It was a wonderful opportunity, but it was rather limited, too, because it was a monthly paper, and we could only get so many reviews in. Um, a lot of shows I, I felt were being neglected because I could only I only had so many words and so, many, uh, not so much space. Yeah, that's the problem with print. It is. Yeah. It's one of the major problems. Plus the deadline, most of the shows that I was reviewing would be over by the time that the publication came out. And... Um, College News also had a website at that time that would publish my reviews as well, so I would usually direct people to go to the website anyway to read the most up-to-date reviews. And in 2000, I came up with the idea of, well, let's take this idea of the website, the theater website, take everything that I'm doing for College News and just make it bigger and go with an online publication that people can access right online. And that is where the website um, that was originally called Stead Style came up. 
and it is now known as uh, Chicago stage style. I believe you were the first one to have a theater-only reviewing site in Chicago. I think it was the first, at least one of the first in Chicago. And I remember as a kid when I when I was looking desperately and searching for reviews because I wanted to know so much about theater, it was very hard finding reviews because in those days we didn't have the internet. We had print newspapers, and it would be very difficult to find any particular review. You would Even have to pretty if, much read every daily paper that was out there. Or go to the library and spend a lot. Go to the library. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then even then you would get only one point of view. And sometimes it would be ill-informed or completely off-base, and I would be sitting there scratching my head wondering, do we see the same show? So coming up with the online publication, people have immediate access to this. They can look at my reviews and your reviews, and everything is up there. Well, you set the the bar high with that because you would get the reviews out fast which was right. an advantage, and and I must say, i got to give you credit. You're the one. Remember Katie Kreskin introduced us at Light Opera Works? That's right, for yeah. Camelot, I think. For, I th- well, now, see, you'd remember the show. That I don't remember. <laughs> uh, but, and I, I looked, and I said, this guy's got the right idea. Get the reviews out faster. That was how we competed with the dailies. Right. We'd beat them because, uh, you know, in those days, uh, it would take the Trib or the Sun-Times two or three days to get a review of it, and you'd have it the next day, so I learned to stay up late or get up early and do that. And I think we still do that. You and I usually have our reviews up. I usually try within 24 hours to get my reviews up. Yeah, you're still holding it real well, and as, particularly with a staff of other writers, because we both know how hard it is to find people as passionate or crazy or whatever you want to call it as dedicated, I guess you could say, to getting them out as fast as you and I do. That's right. Yeah. But, um, so I, I think we sort of set the mode, which, which I'm proud of, and I, and I, I gotta give a public thanks for you to give me the idea, because, you know, we both wrote for, for all these different uh, papers that kept going out of business, but the internet just kept getting bigger and bigger. You're absolutely right. In fact, one of, um, my writers right now, uh, Larry Bomber was, uh, I, I acquired Larry because his publication went out of business. Yeah. And, he's um, had several actually through the years. He did. Yeah. He's written for the Tribune. He's written for Chicago, uh, Free Press, I believe. Yeah. And the Reader. And he's written for Stage Bill. In fact, I, some of my old Stage Bills I will look up from the early 80s and his name will be in print right there. You see Larry Bomber or Lawrence Bomber as he tends to go by in the more formal sense. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we have, I think we've kind of cornered the market and I'm proud of that. Yeah. And I think we were, uh, we, we certainly, uh, gave ideas to some of the other good sites that are around, like Scotty Zacker's site, Chicago Theater B, and, uh, Venus Zeros, the site, Chicago Stage Review, which I think are, are excellent, uh, sites also. And yeah. that's good because now, like you say, uh, people can instantly read, particularly if they go to a uh, theater in Chicago that produces this podcast, and they go to the review roundup, they can find uh, links and clips from all our reviews so they can get a nice picture of what a show, you know, what a show's about. That's what I love about the Internet and what what has been achieved 
in our side as well as theater in Chicago, you you have so many different opinions on theater. You have a lot of people who are very passionate about theater, and we can all agree to disagree sometimes. I know you and I disagree many times, and we still can shake hands and say, you know, oh, sure, okay. If we all, we would only need one reviewer if we all agreed. And that's what's great. You look at the review roundup on Chicago uh, theater in Chicago, which I do frequently, and I laugh, thinking, "Wow, did they see the same show I saw?" But that's the wonderful thing about uh, the, the whole freedom of speech that we have in this country. We can all agree to disagree politely. We can have our opinions, and there doesn't have to be one overall opinion. There can be variations. You you can see one show and absolutely hate it. I can see it and fall in love with it. And um, that's what I I hope that uh, when people read my reviews, whether they agree with them or not, they will at least be motivated to think for themselves and to come up with their own point of view and to go out and see the plays. Well, what I respect that you do, and I have done it on occasion, is uh, if if I or you take a uh, unique stand on a show. Let's say we don't like a show. Uh, and one of our other reviewers that happened to be there either with us or, you know, got a ticket somehow, and they like the show, that you're not afraid to print, as you did recently, another view. And I've done that also. Right. And I think that's what's great about theater in Chicago. You can see all the different points of view. You can read what the Chicago Tribune or sometimes or time out thinks about a show and you can see how different everyone approaches this. There is no one way of looking at at theater or art. There are always different points of view. But you know what people tell me too, uh, uh, theater goers, that they like about theater in Chicago when they see uh, all of us, and all of us are not recommended, somewhat recommended, not recommended, not recommended, somewhat recommended. Stay away. Because we, you know, we we may not all agree, but when we're all really ripping a show, you got a kind of feeling it's not very good. And the reverse is true. Uh, like uh, Tim Kaine's recent show, I believe every review was highly recommended. Now there might have been one recommended, but when you get like ten reviews of, and nine of them are highly recommended, you got to think it's a show you want to see. And you know, it's not, I want to point out something as well. Even when I don't like a show and I give it a one-star or a two-star, that doesn't mean that I don't think that people should go see it. Because I think that it's good for people every now and then to experience the best and the worst of theater. Yeah, if you that's only true. see the best shows, and you can disagree with me on that. No, no, I agree. If you I only agree. see the best shows, you will never have an appreciation for anything else. You will only... I don't know how, how else to, to articulate that, but when you see a really depressing, bad show, it tends to make the others look so much better by comparison. Yeah. And the next show that you see is almost bound to make you feel better. Yeah. So you, it's good when you see a variety. Let me add one thing. There's some shows, and I have done this, that I've recommended, especially some experimental theater, that I tell in my review, you're going to walk out hating the show. But you got to see it because it's so different. It's so unique. You right. know, you may not like, but it's it's it, in, you know, if you're a serious theater goer, you got to go see this thing. And so I I have actually recommended shows that I personally hated, but they're that unique. And I think it's good to see plays that are a little bit outside of your your scope. You know, 
I grew up with musical theater, and I, I like to think that I'm a little bit of a musical theater connoisseur, but I've also been open to seeing other types of theater, and as a, as a consequence, I ended up with um, some of my best, my, my biggest personal successes have been uh, with some pretty serious drama, like production of Equus that I directed. Still one, of, still one of the best productions of that show that anyone sees. People still talk about it. And it was a dream production. It was absolutely everything that I could possibly have wanted. And it was funny because on opening night, uh, one of the leading critics that came to review it came to me and said, I had no idea you could direct. And I just kind of laughed because I had a background in directing. I had I had two theater companies I had worked as an artistic director for. And um, most people in Chicago have no clue that I even had that ability. Well, they'll and have I it now. That's why I wanted to do this interview. And and I uh, and reference to your uh, nice bio on your site. Yeah, thank you. Um, but Equus was probably the um, the show that I I took the greatest amount of pride in, and I still I always will. That was the dream production, and I was so grateful for um, the faith and trust that I received from. Michael Colucci and Jan Graves over at Red Twist. Well, you know, um, you helped put them on the map with that show. I I think we all did. Yeah. Um, you know, they, it was a team effort, but I I certainly was the one who came up with the idea. I approached Michael after a show. I think you you and I were both at that opening, and um, I I went up to Michael and said, "I would you be open to a proposition because I have something that I really have to do." And fortunately, he he said yes. Um, there aren't too many theaters in town that you can actually do that. You cannot go into the Goodman and walk up to Bob Falls and say, hi, I want to direct the show for you. <laughs> but I was able to do that at Red Twist, and it was actually Actors Workshop Theater at the time. But I'm, I'm very excited and proud to see where they have come these days. Yeah, they, they, they've, they've upped the ante, too. They're one of the better storefronts. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's great. Now, uh, You've expanded your site. Uh, first of all, you've added, besides Larry Baum, you've added some some terrific uh, young reviewers and and a veteran director. Tell us about that. Yes, um, the veteran director is David Zach, who I, I cannot say enough about. Um, when I started reviewing, David has been the artistic director at Bailiwick for a number of years. He founded that group. And I was reviewing his shows. Um, when the changeover with Bailiwick um, and Theater Wit all came about, um, he contacted me, and I think maybe a year ago, maybe a little less than a year ago, and asked if I would be open to having him review for me. And I said, absolutely. <laughs> you can't get much more of an honor than to have someone with that background and knowledge and prestige. I think he's got like a dozen uh, Jeff Awards. At least. Yeah, maybe but more. But he, you know, David paved the way for so much uh, in terms of um, uh, stretching the limit of what you can expect in theater. And, you know, he did some controversial shows in his time. He did some marvelous family entertainment like Christmas Schooner. That wouldn't have been around if it hadn't been for David. That's right. And um, I think the world of David, um, as well as, as Larry. And then we've got a couple of new reviewers that um, have been working with me. And 
I love them all dearly. I, I'm very excited when I have a chance to bring a new reviewer in and teach them the ropes and share a different point of view. Everybody has a little different approach to reviewing. Um, so now I, I have a chance to affect the next generation, I guess, of, of theater people, theater goers, theater reviewers. Yeah, I like to do that too, and I think it's a, a responsibility to pass on the torch. I agree with you completely. One of the fun things, one of my reviewers now, uh, Sally Osborne, has a five-year-old daughter who she took to the theater for the first time as a reviewer, and now her daughter wants to get involved in theater. She's already memorized uh, about half the score to Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which her mom reviews. And um, she's, uh, I, I foresee that she's going to do great things. So she's getting a chance to pass that torch on, and I got to indirectly pass that on to the next generation. Yeah, That's what she, it's all about. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's uh, And getting a, a, a female point of view. Absolutely. Unfortunately, I don't get enough of that, but I do try and get Beverly Friend, you know, who reviews for me on occasion, who's a you know, retired college professor. And it's great to have these different points of view. It's wonderful to have diversity. You know, that it's not always about uh, what we think. It's uh, it's the ability to share our passion for the theater and to let people think for themselves and form their own opinions. So when and I I bring that up because a lot of times people ask me, well, what qualifies you to be a critic? How dare you yeah, try to to, to criticize someone else's work? And I, I laugh at that because, well, anyone has the right to be a critic, really. You know, we're all, we're all individuals. And, um, as one colleague of mine once told me, um, you know, opinions are like asses. We all have one. <laughs> and it's true. Um, so, and you know, we have a chance to, to motivate people and, and to get them passionate and stirred up. And right, even if that's... you end up hating me or disagreeing with me, I hope but that's that I our role. Plus, we become, I hate to say this, it sounds like bragging, but we become experts because we see everything. Mm-hmm. And and when you see a lot, you're like you're able to, to measure. To me, the good ones stand out and the bad ones. So I get, yeah. you know, I'm hyping good shows more now, and I'm really ripping the bad ones because it, it just, they jump out at you. Sure. And that's what people want to see. They, they, they want to see the extremes. They want, you know. We have not been hurting in this town for attendance. Most of the theaters are doing well, but they're because they're doing good work. So people come to review, read your site, my site, and all the others because they want to see theater, but they, you know, they're tight on money, so they want to make sure they go see something that, that will interest them. Sure, and I think people don't realize how fortunate we are in Chicago to have such diversity and such <clears throat> such volume of theater. You know, we I've lived in other places in the country and I can honestly say that nothing comes even close to Chicago in terms of quality or quantity. And that's what's really exciting. I don't live in the city anymore. I you know for a few years now I've I've lived out in the suburbs but I do commute into the city and I'm always amazed at how much the city has to offer. How many reviews in uh this year? 2011 have uh, has your site put up? Well, as a matter of fact, I had set a personal goal for myself that one year I just and I've been working on this for a couple of years, but I had wanted to publish 
365 reviews just for the fun of saying that I had a review for every single day of the year. Not all mine, of course, but a, com a combination of all of the reviews um, on the site. And this year we have exceeded that number. Um, if you add in the different book reviews, CD reviews, DVD reviews, in addition to the live shows, we have went, we've gone well over 400 reviews this year. Wow, which I I'm thought really thrilled. Wow, I thought my 325 or 330 was a lot. But yeah, tell us about that the the book, CD, and DVD review that you've expanded. I mean, that's terrific. And not only you're doing it, but you have some of your other people listening and reading these books. Tell us about that, because I, I think it's a great idea. And as far as I know, I'm still the only one in Chicago theater uh, website that is doing um, books and CDs and DVDs. But look, I think it's important people read and learn everything that they can about the theater. When you're passionate about something, you want to absorb as much as you can about it. Um, so I'm, and I love doing these reviews. It's so much fun to sit down with a book and to be able to put it down and come back to it. And hey, I, you know, I didn't get that part the first time. Let me reread it. You can't do that with a live play. You're you're watching it in the moment, but you can always pick up a book and you come back to it. And the same thing with a CD. You can always put it on pause. And you can come back to it and listen to it. Wow, that was amazing. Yeah. Don't tell us who your contact is, but uh, uh, it's great. And I know that they come to you, right? They do. Yeah. Um, and that's, this is true. I, I get requests to do reviews every single day. I get email requests to do reviews of books and plays and, and CDs. And it started um, back in 2009 when I got an email from a lady by the name of Carol DeJury who had written a book called Defying Gravity, and it was a tribute to the whole career of Stephen Schwartz, who wrote Wicked, Pippin, and Gospel, and wondering if I would be interested in reviewing it. And I said, yes! Um, I First of all, I have sung lead roles in both Pippin and Gospel, and I have a lot of respect for Stephen Schwartz's career and work. So I... Um, Got a copy of the book, which she was very nice enough to send me. Wrote a rave review of it, and I submitted copies to the publisher, and I suddenly started getting flooded with requests to do more. So um, I'm nice, now... It's a nice niche, yeah. It is. It, it's a lot of fun to do, and I've, I've been able to share that with some of my other reviewers as well. And, um, you know, like one of my reviewers said, how... This is a no-brainer. I'm getting free books and CDs, and I basically just have to tell what I think about it. <laughs> That's a fantastic opportunity. So, um, And then we get to share our point of view on these, uh, these works um, with the readers and, and encourage them to read for themselves and go out and listen and read. Well, there's one other side that a lot of people don't know, and, I, and I've been at your place, not your current one, which, is, which the pictures of it look terrific. But, folks, if you go into Joe's house, you're going to see theater memorabilia like you've never seen. It is it is impressive. Is there a CD of a Broadway show you don't have? Oh, yeah. Probably some of the more recent things that I don't have a lot of interest in. Um, but, yes, my, my house is a bit of a theater museum. Um, I, I started collecting 
playbills as early as I started going to the theater. I would save my playbills or programs and reviews as well. And I started to build up a collection, uh, which now I, I don't have the exact number, but I do have a, a spreadsheet to keep track of it all. I have well close to, uh, 6,000 playbills, showbills, 6,000? Mm-hmm. Wow. Of every, uh, every kind, um, from, you know, from Chicago to New York to London, uh, regional theater, and, um, yeah, it, it actually goes all the way back to the early 20th century. I've got the very first Peter Pan with Maude Adams, and probably every Peter Pan ever since, uh, which I know is, I believe, is your first show. Yeah, the that's theater. the one that got me hooked on theater. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so I can actually trace the whole history of that show back to uh, about 1900 or so, maybe 1905. Wow. Um, and I think what I love about collecting, people may think that it's kind of stupid to keep all the, the stuff, but to me it's about preserving something tangible in an intangible world, which is theater. You, know, you sit and you watch the show, and in two hours you blink and it's over. But when you have a program or or even a review for that matter, that kind of keeps that work alive in a way. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. And in its crazy way, I think these podcasts do it too. Uh, that's yeah. why. I, that's why I try and get not only a diversity of people, but I try and emphasize the older actors too. Uh, because we have them preserved forever. So, you know, Mike, the next, Mike Nesbaum's of the world, you know. Sure. Yeah. And I remember when you interviewed, uh, Gene Jansen right, right before he died, I think. Yeah, a few days. Yeah, that was, and was I such had a great an guy. Email from, he was, he was a wonderful actor and an amazing human being. I had gotten an email from him, um, right after he opened in The Best Man for Remy Bumpo. And I still have it. In fact, I never deleted it. Um, yeah, and he, he sent me a thank you for my review. Um, his performance was so incredible. And, and I, uh, I remember listening to his interview that you did on the podcast and thinking, this is really something that. Well, you know, I was, we, Mark Meyer and I were wondering about whether we should take it down. So we sent an email to, uh, to his family and they said, no, we're honored by it. He was so honored to sure. do it. Thank you. It's a way of honoring him yeah. and, and his memory, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, we've had a few others. But, Joe, you you have certainly been a trailblazer in this town, and uh, uh, I don't want to go into detail because we're almost out of time, but uh, we are going to definitely work on that candlelight project because you wrote a great article, which I still get, you know, that, that's on my site too, uh, about Candlelight Dinner Playhouse. Well, thank you. That was a, a lot of fun to do, and I... I, I guess it was my way of repaying a, a thanks for the work that was done at Candlelight because I was a beneficiary of that as a kid. If it hadn't been for dinner theater and my mom taking me to see shows in dinner theater, I probably would not have gotten into theater as, as passionately as I, I have. And it, I, we all we all owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to Bill Polinsky and Tony. Um, yeah. Coming to Folks, stay tuned. We're gonna we're gonna do something about that, about the history of that, because it it was amazing. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that. That'll that'll be coming up. Well, Joe, this has been great. Uh, thanks for the interview. And you do you did a nice interview. See, it is it, it's fun being on the other end, isn't it? It is fun being on the other end. A little bit of uh, 
of shameless self-promotion, I guess. And if I can just interject, please visit chicagostagestyle.com. And then from there, you can also link over to Theater in Chicago and read the different reviews out there. Read Chicago Critic. Read Chicago Theater Blog and, and see that we all are very, very passionate about this wonderful gift that we have in Chicago. Couldn't have said it better myself. Folks, thanks for listening.